Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. I know we've been trying to set this up for a while now, but we're doing it yeah. early morning style. Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Are you uh are you a morning person? I am a morning person. Yeah. I uh I, I'm also a night person. I'm kind of a no sleep person. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. that's that's good. You get to see every angle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Crucial. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to say those things are kind of like by choice, but I don't know. That they, they I kind of gave up on that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. You're up when you're up. Yeah. Totally. It's uh yeah, you you kind of I feel like you, you know, everybody knows somebody who is on the up and up about getting up early and then people who just don't sleep. And uh-huh. it's, it's good to have a good combination of those people. With yeah. Life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, don't get me wrong. I do love sleep um, a lot. <laughs> but and, uh, and you're referring to the band, right? Sleep, the band. Yeah, not exactly. To, yeah. <laughs> exactly like that's Big fan the of them. track that I, that I step to <laughs> yeah when you're when you're getting in the car you're you're putting on some sleep <laughs> yeah 100 100 yeah do you do you usually use a use your phone for for when you, you when you are driving and you do want to put on a song or you usually you open it up an app or something like that um it depends app or cd i okay. i still have cds uh and actually, I love CDs, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I still have like a collection of CDs. Actually, when I was was back at my folks' place recently, and I found the uh, that old like those big like leather binders that I used to have with, with like the, all these like zipper? CDs, and I'm just going through it right now and and checking out all the uh, yeah the old hits that I uh, that I used to listen to. <laughs> yeah. what what were more some staples when you when you first started driving uh, of those of those cds yeah i mean i was really into <laughs> like the grateful dead in high school so for me it's like a lot of burnt dicks picks volume <laughs> 23 but it's like on a burnt cd with like just is just silver and it's like sharpie in my of high course. school <laughs> handwriting um and uh yeah and then also um there's a fair amount of like r&b on there like early 2000s like r&b um and what else there's some there's a lot of jazz too um that like i don't remember being as into in high school but then when i started listening to the these certain cuts I started to remember it was like, oh yeah, my friend in high school's brother was the one burning us all these jazz CDs. So that's pretty cool too to put yeah. those up. And to have a jazz guy, that's also is very important. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of jazz now, but it's just funny. Like I don't remember in high school walking around, you know, school with my headphones on, like listening to jazz. I just don't remember it super well, but I guess I was, yeah. I mean, that's, I was also that's, like smoking good. a lot of weed, so I'm not sure I remember like exactly what I was uh, even listening to. So, 
I mean, yeah. you listen to Grateful Dead, of course you're smoking weed. That's just that goes <laughs> hand in hand. Hey, I'm guilty. I had the lava lamp, the black light posters. I mean, I was a very stock high school kid, you know. Sure, had sure. Bong with a name on it, you know, like all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, what what yeah. what state are we talking about when you when you were going to high school? Was this East Coast? Yeah, I went to high school in Northampton, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, I'm from Massachusetts originally. Uh, I grew up just north of Boston, and then I went to high school in, in Western Mass. And good, uh, good deal. Yeah, yeah. Sm- smoking weed, listening to Grateful Dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Massachusetts for you. In a little hippie town down there, and and uh, yeah, it was it was it was great. Yeah, it was really great. Do you remember your your first exposure to to music, or when you when you first started getting into it? Totally. I mean, my, my dad, um, was really adamant about me being exposed to music early on. I think he took me, I, I, the first musical concert I went to, I saw the beach boys in like 1990. I think I might've been like four years old. He took me to see the beach boys, um, at a place called great woods in Massachusetts and it's funny, I, I really remember it. Like, I do remember it. And it was funny. It was like Beach Boys and that band America. They were touring together. <laughs> sure, sure. And, a, uh, a great lineup. Yeah. Great lineup uh, of like soft rock and Baroque and pop. And I, I like, uh, I really do remember it um, as being like an experience of like leaving that performance. And, 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 uh, and I remember my dad had a really big connection to the local Boston radio station, like the classic rock station through like what he does for work. So um, we would get, he would get these like tickets hooked up to like concerts that were like really good tickets. And he would like take me as a kid. And I would, I just remember walking away, away feeling like so full of energy. And um, remember yeah. like my dad was a huge deadhead too. So like he, he, He's definitely guilty for putting that all in me. I mean, and uh, which I absolutely love. So that's great. But he, uh, I do remember like one time we're driving in the car and he had on this song and like one of the, you know, it's the song Dire Wolf by the Grateful Dead. And like the chorus is like, don't murder me. And like, I had that like stuck in my head. I think I was like six and I was like singing it in the gym at high school and like I got in trouble <laughs> and like they thought that there was something wrong with me because I was like singing this song they were like they thought I made it up or something I don't know it was really really funny no that's <laughs> about the uh, Zodiac killer yeah that's yeah, not, uh, yeah exactly but those are like early on like that's when I remember really getting my exposure to music was really through my dad yeah that that's was was he a musician as well he played guitar um, growing up. He doesn't really play much anymore, but he he used to like he he plays guitar. Um, was really into like folk music um, and like traditional folk music. So um, he had like a little songbook, and he would play. I mean, he was obsessed with playing the song "Alice's Restaurant." <laughs> I remember that as a sure. kid. 
good one to like also excite me as a kid like i don't think i really understood the context of that song or anything but i just was loving it i i still don't but i do like it <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't think i fully grasp what what that yeah. song was about all 15 yeah. minutes of it <laughs> some restaurant <laughs> from someone named Alice, like some restaurant and there's some trash that needs to be taken out uh yeah it kind of kind of went over my head but i like it nonetheless yeah yeah well, 14 minute song 15 minutes totally song. <laughs> it's a good one though that's that's a that's a it'd take up a lot of space on that cd if you were to burn it let's <laughs> yeah. take taking up a good chunk yeah for sure yeah when did you uh decide to pick up the guitar is, is that what you started with was it the first kind of i started with p i um I took piano lessons as a kid, which was something that also like my parents really wanted for me. But my piano teacher was like really, really intent. Like, I mean, these are just early memories also. Like I was met with this conflict between like these like wonderful like concerts I was going to and I was like, wow, this feels like really loose and fun. And then I'd go to like my piano teacher who is this, you know, Russian woman and you'd walk in the, house and you you know have to put on these mouse slippers and go down into the basement to where the piano was and she, oh, she was she would hit me with a ruler like she would be she'd be hitting my wrists with the ruler and like you know really stressing like like so I was I was learning like a lot of classical music um as a kid but I wasn't really like the um yeah that sort of teaching environment really informed like what I wanted to do because I think I I immediately assumed that like that's what piano culture is like you know and I was like I see all these other people playing guitars who don't seem like they'll like hit me with a ruler and like I was like <laughs> oh like maybe I, I don't want to play piano you know because like that's that's the culture of piano you know so I don't know but um I did eventually I was taking lessons in both. I, I switched to guitar and my first guitar teacher was quite the opposite. Uh, he's, he's amazing. I still, I still like have a relationship with this person. His name is Fred Shepard. And he used to, he made his F's like for Fred backwards, like Fender. And, uh, and he, he immediately showed up. He was like an older guy. I mean, I don't know how old he was at the time. I'm going to guess he was probably like in his late, 30s or something and he showed up with his fender stratocaster and he had uh pogs like the the hawaiian pogs like hot glued to his like stratocaster and he was like he's like do you like nirvana and i was like whoa i was like i've never had an adult like ask me that i was like this guy's cool so that was my first guitar teacher and that was like you know i i fred you know has I know so many people he's inspired over the years and he's just like, he's such a wonderful educator for kids. And, and, uh, and so that, that really like led me down the rabbit hole of like wanting to pursue more and get more music. Were you, were you timid going into uh, learning the guitar thinking that it's like, Oh, it's going to be more of the same. It was did that cross your mind. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was also, I think, though like the people I saw with electric guitars looked very different than the people I saw playing piano as an early I mean I don't know if that was just 
you know, my exposure, but I wasn't like, I wasn't really like shown like any sort of like rock or funk or jazz idols with a piano. I just like always imagined, you know, people like Jimi Hendrix and stuff. And like, I was like, oh, I want to, I want that. Like, I want that, you know? And, uh, and so I think I was a little worried at first, like when I, you know, you know, my mom set up this appointment with, with Fred Shepard and I was just like a little bit like nervous, but then once he like came in with his pog guitar and like, was like, do you like Nirvana? I was like, Oh, this guy's cool. He like, Oh, I don't even see that guy's uh ruler. So I think this is going to be, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have, don't have a tape measure. So I think he's, I'm pretty safe here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, did you take to it easily? Were you like, okay, cool. Like I, I understand what, what I got to do to make, sound out of this thing and it's interesting chords i really didn't i didn't take to it easily and i remember getting really frustrated like in like forcing my fingers into that like open g chord position with my fingers at first and i was just like i remember getting really frustrated because i i know like one of the you know whatever the first song he assigned i like I was having so much trouble with it, but then it, you know, it clicked in my, in my finger muscles, but guitar was like way harder for me than piano was. Um, I I don't know. I, yeah, that was just my experience. And then did, did you think like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go back to that lady and I gotta, I, I gotta get back to my room. Oh, I, I did not No. I was actually like bribed to go there eventually. Like my mom would be like, I'll take you to Richdale, which is like, <laughs> like I don't know. If you're, if you're not from, you know, New England, you might not know what Richdale is, but it's kind of like the 7-Eleven out there, except for like way less flashy. And like my mom would be like, you can go to Richdale and get whatever you want if you go to, you know, Eileen's. <laughs> I'd be like, oh no. So I'd was like, it worth I'd it? Was it even up. worth it at the at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, I'd show up like five pixie sticks deep, like ready to just like try it. You're hit, you're you're hitting it before. <laughs> yeah. before oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You take me there on the way there. Yeah, there's you're, probably you're bouncing off the wall. <laughs> yeah. Was was there a point with the guitar that it finally clicked? Was there like, oh, okay, I understand. Like this is getting easier, or? Yeah, totally. Um. Yeah, there was a time, I think, like, when I started learning, like, I remember this idea of, like, just learning, like, power chords, and, like, I was like, whoa, you can, like, play like this, and I was like, this is kind of cool, and then it it, it kind of clicked, like, it was interesting, I was always, I was always, and Fred used to say this, I remember it in my head, but he would say, like, you're really good at rhythm. Like, rhythm isn't your problem. Like, it's, like, getting your fingers to, like, get into the shapes and move fast enough. So I feel like he was, like, rhythm is a much harder thing to teach someone and sometimes, like, can't be taught in a way. And he was, like, you can, like, you're, you got a great sense of rhythm and cool rhythm. So, like, I had, like, this he instilled this faith that like it was just really about a little bit of practice but eventually yeah I did I mean I did really kind of get into it and I was continuing to see like like yeah just I saw a lot of music as a kid you know I saw I saw so much music into the you know into the 90s like 
I would go to all the like, it's just crazy because I see like, you know, 12 year old, 13 year olds now and there's no way I would ever drop them off at like a like a, a huge concert venue all day and like let them run around but like, you know, my folks would like they'd take me to like these like 90s festivals I remember seeing Stone Temple Pilots when I was like 13 and like I was so small that me and my friends would like they kind of get to the front of the stage and I remember the first time like yeah I saw Scott Whalen and I was like what the heck is going on I was like so confused because I'd listened to the record so many times I was just like whoa I was like this is like a whole nother like like rock experience for me you know but I would go to all those things everything that came through you know those those shows that came through Boston I was seeing like everything from Stone Temple Pilots to like yeah my dad would take me go see like the Stones and Neil Young and stuff and it was it was it was wild you know yeah wide variety wide variety of wide variety of music growing up yeah uh, at, at what point did you start jamming with other people and start joining up bands and whatnot? Yeah, like we had like a few talent show type things in middle school that I we would have to do like, you know, cover songs and um, oh, I again got in trouble because I like we covered like Blink-182, damn it like that song and i oh you're asking for trouble dude i said the like line that was like you know i don't know whatever it is like and i like got in trouble but yeah i, I mean that was like the first time i had experiences playing music with other people and we had this like there was this like high school kid who was like i don't remember exactly how this happened but like a couple or fr- my friend's parents like all got together and like kind of hired this kid who was like in high school to like be our like band like coordinator and teacher his name was Todd and he had like this is like the 90s so he had like the like spiky like it would look like SLC punk like hair yeah and li- the, the Liberty Spike yeah Liberty Spike and it was all they were all white like he had done Manic Panic so they were like all white and I remember thinking it was the coolest thing in the world like being I mean it's still amazing to me but like I, I like I remember asking my mom, like, can we go to Newberry Comics, which was like the record store at the time around there. And like, I want to get like white hair dye. And like, so like in seventh grade, I was like trying to do it, but I didn't know how. So I like it. There's pictures of me with just like clumps of like white, like in my hair. It looks like a bird just like shit on top of my head. Like, it's amazing. And uh, but yeah, that was like the first time Todd like helped us like, like, uh, learn the songs or like we you know my friend played drums I was playing a lot of guitar and I could also at that point I really loved bass as well I was like kind of getting into bass and and uh so I'd switch off with my friend Doug and like we we had this little power trio and we were like but we weren't really like we weren't writing anything we were just kind of like trying to learn songs and like how to be a rock band and that that was really cool that was really cool so you're playing Blink-182 being a being a bad kid, getting swatted, saying <laughs> swears, that was your leeway into music. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Actually, I mean, I never really thought of it, but yeah, the 
the ruler thing has really stuck with me. Like, yeah, because it's, it's a ruler. It's, against it's crazy. Like when I sit at a piano, I do notice I still like look at my hands. I'm like, am I in like a good form? And I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, I'm like 36 years old. This was like, this was like almost 30 years ago. Like, I mean, it's crazy. You it know? stays with you. Yeah. It and stays then, with you. Yeah. And then immediately you, you, you go to like the nearest convenience store and get some, get some sugar in you. Yeah. Just a, just a <laughs> yeah, I get that. yeah. Pavlovian craving for pixie sticks. Moving forward into like high school, were you still pro- progressing within music, kind of joining bands and whatnot, still playing with yeah. people? Yeah. I mean, I think I started writing like music in high school. I had like a little like Tascam Blue four track or something. And uh, I was. Like, I would mess around with, like, I didn't know what it was called at the time, but, like, overdubbing on top of myself and, like, playing on top of, like, things. And it it wasn't really so much lyrical in nature at that point as it was just kind of, like, oh, wow, this is really fun to kind of, like, to have more, to have less limits and just kind of, like, jam on like a you know like a chord or something and obviously at that time I was getting into much more like experimental and uh uh improvisation music um through you know kind of 60s countercultural music and I uh yeah so I started to like do that I had another guitar teacher in high school who was really cool but he was and and he he was really rooted in like the blues which i had never like learned any of that like i didn't i never learned any basic theory stuff i guess i should say until high school until i had that teacher who was like you know he didn't like enforce it but i actually like he proposed it and i was like really into it so i learned like you know basic some basic theory uh, musical theory and scales and stuff like that. Um, and, and that was like the next kind of step I'd say. Yeah. Uh, did, did that change the the course of, of how you made music going forward from, from that teacher, the, the secondary teacher, like showing you scales and whatnot, did that? Yeah. I mean, how, I did, that, uh, did you see that the influence now in, in what you're making? Oh yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, yeah, I see that. I see that in terms of like, I mean, I've never been that great of a like ripping solo guitar player. I think like, again, like I just really, I really love rhythm. Um, and so like, I think like blue, that that's what really like attracted me to like the blues was not so much like the like soloing over the form, but like some of those like older blues players you know um like robert johnson and and lead belly where they were like playing like this rhythmic style that i'd like never heard before and so yeah that that for me like i think has stayed stayed with me a lot with these these um these bands and other in other things were you were you more or projects were you more um inclined to pick up the guitar at at first to hash things out and then build from there yeah um i think i was very into guitar and bass 
Um, I didn't really, I, I wasn't really playing much keyboard or piano in high school. Drums was something that came like later, a little bit later in my life. So, mm -hmm. yeah. But I had this, I had a couple of friends who are still, I'm still close with. They had this band called Lord Huggington in high school. And they were like, so cool. And like, I was like kind of their biggest groupie and stuff. Also, it was really sick going to high school in Western Mass because it opened my like Boston music scene very different from like Western Mass where I was getting exposed to like a lot of other different types of music that were going on at the flywheel, which is like this, like it was like a smaller venue, like a DIY based kind of venue in the area. And I would go to shows there in high school. And um, yeah, like Andrew WK like played there. <laughs> like We're like super young. And I remember seeing him and being like, holy shit, this guy is like a prophet. Like I was like super into it. And uh, yeah, so I had like a few friends, like we would go see like a lot of shows. We were so young and just like, like really wanted to just experience like that spirit of music, which like, I think that's something that I is definitely like just resonates with me still today. I just love, I love music, you know, I love going to see it and, uh, and the feelings that come from seeing live music are just so important to me. Yeah, definitely. Right, right. Uh, did you ever take any lessons for like, like a bass lesson or was it usually you no. just with guitar and figured out the bass eventually with no I really got into the band in high school and and like watching because them. they came through town yes yeah you, you got <laughs> tickets I understand yeah I just loved the band and like my favorite member of the band was Rick Danko and I just like loved watching videos and I was like this guy is so cool. Like, I want to like play bass like this, like, like freaking Gumby. Like, I, like I really loved his voice and everything. And I was just like, so I kind of like got really into like bass through basically watching Rick Danko play bass uh, and like watching, you know, my dad would play the last waltz a lot. Like, you know, growing up, I think I always, I never really paid much attention to it until like high school. And I was like, you know that there's this like one song like it makes no difference when he's like singing and playing bass it's just like so emotive and i was just like this guy is you know so i i definitely that's what kind of got me more into the bass but i never took any lessons i just kind of was like trying to play in that style right um, yeah was was bass more of like a self-explanatory instrument than the guitar i remember the first time realizing in my head in my head originally i was like bass is the same as guitar it's just the top four strings it's like you just do the same thing you just don't play chords and i remember like the first time like realizing like in my head i was like these are not the same thing <laughs> like being like wait a second <laughs> like so there was a moment where I definitely was playing bass, just like a guitar. Like I was just kind of like strumming, like down picking stuff or like just kind of like playing, you know, roots and like not really adding much rhythm type of playing to it. But then when I saw like Rick Danko play the bass in like that way, I was like, whoa, this is like wild. And, and when I did that, my dad was also just like, 
he's like oh you like bass like have you ever like listened to like the Beatles <laughs> bass playing and he, like I grew up like listening to a lot of the Beatles but I never paid attention to the bass playing before and then I was like oh shit like Paul McCartney's crazy like you know so I kind of like I had a little bit of a bass revival in my life. I would say like late a revival, a revival within high school. Yeah, it 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 came back. It came back. It came in. back. I was like, oh, the bass is actually like really important. <laughs> which is which is forgotten in in. in I think it, to a kid, it, to me, it was. I was like bass. I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Nobody cares about bass. It's overlooked. It's like, yeah, bass ain't shredding. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, at, at, at did you go exact uh, from Massachusetts directly to California? No, I so I moved to Vermont, um, and I lived in Vermont for about as you do, of Grateful Dead. Yes, yeah. I, well, I'll tell you what. Like my path was very much like I. It's so funny. I mean, I decide it's actually ridiculous but i decided like i want to go to school like in burlington vermont because like fish started there and that's where i'm gonna go to school and it's of it's, course. Wild. Of it's course. like that was my decision making process and like when i got there i met like a bunch of other people who were like i did the same thing <laughs> you know I mean, this is like early 2000s. Like I'd seen them at that point play like and I was mind blown and like, you know, friend's brother was the one who like introduced us to it like early on. I was I mean, I was given like he gave me like a fish cassette tape when I was like in middle school. I used to carpool with this kid and his brother to school and he would like pop in like a fish cassette in my mom's car every morning <laughs> like we were like sixth grade and like I remember being like this is silly this is fun like what is this and then like yeah like before end of, end of high school like I started really getting into like that type of, or not even that honestly I really wasn't into any of the other type of music in that scene besides them which was kind of odd like because when I did move to Vermont there was a lot of people who were just like in the jam bands and stuff but i never really like feel like i was just more into like fish <laughs> like i just like them just and, fish that's it yeah it's it's you know it's funny it's like yeah i mean that was it's like definitely part of my musical story to like you know um yeah and, and that's get when, into fish yeah yeah i moved to vermont but like that's where i actually did start like you know had like my my first like band um and i remember like playing like my first like actual show it was like freshman year of college i was so fortunate i mean i got put on i, I so i went to university of vermont and i got put on this floor it's some sort of crazy universe thing happened but like i literally was on a floor with like some of my met them the first day and we're still like super close and like one of those like we formed a band like the second day of college and like it was so fun like I'd never met people because you know the drummer was from New York City and had this like crazy 
drumming background. Never, I'd never played with a drummer like that. Like he's, I mean, he 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 went on to form uh, this band called Gorilla Toss, which is like they're are amazing and prolific. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're like yeah. a they're a band out there today, and I've had the opportunity to be able to like work with them in different different ways over the years which is cool but like are these like relationships musically just like all happened one day like right when i got to college we played this show this is like not this is not <laughs> this is no joke we played a show at a house party in a basement and it was the guy who was had the house wasn't he was from new york and he was older and I don't know who convinced him to be able to let us like play in his basement during a house party, but someone did. And he was a really scary guy. Like I remember being scared of this guy. Like he was not like a, like I came to Vermont to be like a like hippie like person. He was like from New York city and like, looked like he would like kick the shit out of you. Like if you said anything that like was remotely like it was scary i remember walking in just being like and we played in the basement and i kid you not it was like it was packed i remember looking out and there were two people having sex like on the right wall and then i looked in the back and there were two people getting in a fist fight like in the other corner and this was like the first show that we played and I was just like, what the, I, I was just like, oh my God, like, this is crazy right now. Yeah, like, Fish never had to deal, deal with that kind of shit. No, that wasn't going I on. Don't know if it but yeah, our music was very not fishy. It was definitely like a little bit like, just to give you a little bit of the arrangement of this band, it was saxophone, mandolin, bass, keyboard drums and guitar so it was kind of like a weird funk celtic vibe with like some brass it was sick though it was really cool yeah hey, wait, you 18 at the time right yeah yeah you said no time getting it getting into a band finding a place oh it was so fun yeah wow <laughs> That's yeah. that's why it's wild. That's a it's a, it's a good first first show story. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I I like yeah. I, I it's really wild. Yeah. So yeah. from from there, were you like, okay, this is this is what where I need to be musically at this time? I think yeah. I mean, I really wanted to. You know, so a lot of people I was in that band with were in the music. They came there to go to the music school at you at at University of Vermont and I I didn't like I was kind of interested in like writing so I was like doing like the like Eng English literature program there and eventually like it that after that first year it was like I remember when we we, we were coming back the next year and we we're like I was like so stoked I was like let's like keep this band like keep this band going and they were all kind of like they're like you know we're into jazz now. And like, you're like, I'm into jazz. You should see my fucking CDs. I got them. But they were like, yeah, they were like, we don't really like want to, like, we just want to like 
we need to like we want to learn like jazz standards and like we don't want to like i know that i know the scales i got rhythm let's do it i know dorian like i know mixolydian like let me in but i i couldn't i like they were kind of like in the in this way that was like at the time i was kind of hurt i was like what i was like i thought we were having fun and they were just kind of like they you know what's really funny now is that like so i'll just fast forward a little bit they did that they went their way and started playing stairs and stuff and then like like maybe a year like after we're just like fuck this like they were all like they all came back you know they, they all they were all like we're like no we don't want to we don't want to play this anymore so it was how, kind how, of how funny. many of the how many of the people from the from the band went on to to do that for a bit uh, um four of them Including so there was like the, two the of us who were like, we, we started a different band, like me and this other person. We we're like, fine, we'll start a different project. Like, and they and they kind of like, you know, I mean, you know, that they were in music school. I mean, they had to like learn all this like, you know, really intricate theory at the at that time. And like, you know, they they were getting invited to do these like local jazz restaurants gigs and all that and i i think i i was just on a different trip like i was just like no like i'm i want to like party <laughs> like i want to like i want to get I down to that basement like... again i want to see what's going on <laughs> yeah i want to play more basements pretty much more basements i want to see more fist fights more people having sex that's yeah right. yeah I, w- I was on the tip of like really wanting to play bass i swear to you like i like after that first basement show i was looking at like Every house party I'd go to, I'd be like, "What's the basement like here?" Like, What's the basement there? situation? Show me the, <laughs> yeah, give, like, give me the tour. Uh, I didn't see the basement. Can we? Can we? We gotta yeah, finish it off. I remember asking, like, I scrounged some like money and like was like, I bought like this really janky PA so I could like take it anywhere and we could like play a show like in any basement, you know? And like Burlington, Vermont is like full of basements because like it's you know New England's full of basements, but like. Burlington has some like gross basements. I mean, like these were like not play. These were disgusting. Like it's like really, yeah. I mean, but how many basements have you been? Have you been in more basements that are like not finished or not kept up? Than, yeah, like, finished basements. You know, like who? Like who's? Yeah, gonna, yeah. I think it's like different too, though, because like they get so much weather and seasonal weather that like it's like mold central down in those basements. Like it's like you know every every apartment I lived in in Vermont was like, and to mention like, this is like student based housing. So these landlords don't give a shit. They know they're going to film. So they don't take care of them. So it's like, I remember like moving into these places and like walking to the basement and just like being like, Jesus Christ. Like, like, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a different, I think there was like different musical trips going on in my community, like in, early college where like some people were really getting into like classically trained music some people were getting more into like jazz focused music and I just kind of wanted to like continue to write like my own music and I think that's like at the time I saw those as not being able to coexist and I think somehow the people I was around felt that way but like obviously they all can coexist but I like didn't have any maps for that you know, like I didn't have any people around me being like, you can like write music and also like 
like be into music theory and get classically trained. You know, like I didn't like have that. So right, right. It was, um, it was, all, it was separated. It was like this. It this, was very like this, separated. This. It was like here's this camp. Here's this camp. Here's like the like heady fish camp. Here's like the like songwriter camp. You know, it wasn't like there was a basement camp over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real, real quick, go, going back to that. Johnny, what was your basement situation when you were a kid? You had a basement where you where you grew up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it a sick basement or was it, it like? Was, it was an amazing basement. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah, I was scared to death of it, but it was sick. It was sick. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm visualizing it right now. It was really cool. Yeah, my dad's a big uh, my dad's a big fly fisherman, and he had this like fishing closet in the basement and it was like cement you know it's like unfinished like it just like was just like this cement room where there's just like a bunch of fishing rods and like a desk where he would like tie flies like in the dark <laughs> it was some real like massachusetts shit yeah it was like it was funny does where uh, where's that oh he's he's in you know he's in the basement He's silently. Yeah, he's in the fishing room, is what he called it. Of course, the fishing room. Yeah, Yeah. the fishing room. Everyone's got one. Yeah. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, I mean, it's full like lobster traps and all that shit. Like it was. Yeah. That's that's his that's his space. Yeah. 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 He has his little closet. It's a fishing room, man. That's yeah. Yeah. Was the was your whole basement um, with uh, concrete or there's cement down there or was only partially. I think it was pretty concrete and then like there was I think there was like a time where there was a finished element to it but I remember it as being concrete and scary down there um yeah lures being down there and stuff lures like a lot of lobster traps some hooks yeah like all that stuff like my dad's boat stuff and all that yeah would you want to play basements uh in los angeles where where you are now if there was basements to play yeah i don't think i've ever been in a basement in la but what is so great about la is like you can play outside which is cool that's like i think i'd rather now probably play outside and like in like people's like i love house shows that are like outside in the backyard or something like that like i love i love that or like we've done a show down at the la river which was like so fun um but yeah i feel like i mean basements have a huge place in my heart you know in this way that like that's like all that was my initial show experiences we're all playing like you know you were in that circuit for a bit and and now you graduate to outside. <laughs> yeah, now I'm outside. So how long did you spend um in, in Vermont? Did you did you finish up school there? Um I did finish up school. I yeah, I was there for about seven years. I was like living there after I graduated. Um a lot of my friends who musically I was involved with there ended up leaving that music program and being like, well, if I'm going to like, they like a bunch of them went to NEC in Boston, which is like conservatory and had like more choices. He offered like a lot of like weirder, deeper stuff. Like at UVM, it was like, you choose classical or you choose jazz. 
And I think a lot of my like musical friends who were really into music, they were like, oh, fuck this. But like, I would, I would go to a school that like had like more, like there were classes at NBC being taught by like Johnny Greenwood and like, you know, like there's like some like more space for composition and stuff like that. So a few of my friends went there, if not to finish school, but for their like masters. Um, but I stayed in Vermont. I was living there, um, working at a, uh, like this like cafe, like slash venue bar called the radio bean, which is like an amazing space. Um, and so I, I was kind of like living there part of the community, but I was also like really diving deep into some like bad lifestyle choices. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I eventually actually came to Los Angeles. Originally, I was supposed to be here for two weeks because I was coming to rehab out here. And so I, yeah, because I was like, you so you, you got to leave the basement sometimes. You I got it. I, I go. went a little too far into the, you know, I, I ended up finding really like hard drugs and I was like using heroin every day for like years of my life. And I was on the verge of death in like one of the most beautiful places I would argue in the world. Like Vermont is gorgeous, but yet like, you know, there's, they have a huge opiate problem in new England. And I just was like a part of that. And I got sucked into some really dark times. And luckily I just like Google searched one night when I, I thought I was going to die. And I like Google searched like one night, like, like opiate detox like and like it was like two in the morning I got this guy on the phone named Mark who was in LA and he was like he was like what's up brother and I was like that was wait I, I, I'm sorry let's yeah. let's just let, let's just go back from it were yeah. you calling him as you thought that you were dying yeah you called him and that and that's how he answered yeah he was like the intake coordinator for this rehab and I was like I was like very like I had like, I just thought, I, I mean, I thought I was going to die multiple times, but this time like felt like I, I actually, I don't really have any words to describe why I picked up the phone. I, I still don't know why I can't remember. I, I, maybe it was like God showing up or whatever. I, I literally don't know. I picked up the phone. This guy answers named Mark. Yeah. He's like, what's it's up? Mark. He's and I'm he like, was he hey. like he was expecting you or something? Did that throw you like the way he answered the phone? Yeah, a little bit. It threw me, but it also made me feel really comfortable because I was like, really like, I remember feeling like I'm just gonna get some sort of fucking doctor on the phone and no, you got you got some up. sort of mark on the phone. And that's that's what you got. I wasn't expecting a guy like Mark to be like, he's like, dude, what's going on? Like, I'm like. I'm gonna fucking die, Mark. I'm, I'm dying right now, Mark. How are you? <laughs> yeah. <brother? laughs> and he's like, totally get it. <laughs> I was like, so very, fun. Very chill with it. Oh, he was being so chill. I mean, like, people in that world, like I've I worked in uh flash forward, like whatever. I've worked I worked in treatment centers and rehabs for about like seven or eight years in my life. And like people are really like that they're like they're like very i mean 
almost, I hate using this word, but maybe like a little bit desensitized to like the idea. They're just so used to being surrounded by people who are on the verge of death under the influence of drugs that is just kind of like becomes like a like it's like anything else it's like ordering breakfast or some shit like it's like it's really wild it's it's really wild but like yeah so mark was just like he's like let me run your insurance because at that point i'm like still on my parents insurance and i'm i think i was yeah i was 25 and he's like he's like hop on a plane like your insurance will pay for 30 days we'll pay for the plane ride for you if you want i'll book it for tomorrow like and i was just like okay i was like california sounds nice i've never been to la i don't even know what it's like so then i like yeah just like got on a plane in my slippers with like a couple like like my L.O. bean slippers i had like a backpack with like a few shirts in it and i was just like got on a plane like friggin yeah i was like i stayed up all night like yeah I, uh, before calling mark what was yeah. why why did you feel like you were going to to die did you feel like you took to and, and this was on yeah. heroin well like yeah my my tolerance for so at that point like you know the idea of like fentanyl being introduced to drugs was not really a thing so like my tolerance to opiates was really high I'd been using every day for a really long time like it wasn't like I didn't get high from shooting heroin anymore like that it was just literally to it was maintenance it was really really literally to like function yeah yeah it was to function and not withdraw but that night I'd also (laughs) I mean, I had taken like a bunch of mushrooms and fucking I was doing ketamine off my thumbs and like fucking all sorts of shit. You're like, mixing was, all these together, ketamine, yeah. heroin and mushrooms on the same night. I mean, it wasn't re- <laughs> it's this. I'm literally it's like it is. It's not funny. Like to me, it is funny, but I know it's not. It's in, like in I, it's hindsight. really embarrassing. But at the same time, that really wasn't that odd in my life at that point. Like I, was I was like, casual. I was like a Hunter S. Thompson type of dude. Like I just, just like, taking everything, right? I was just like, whatever. Like, and it just didn't, you know. And I was, I mean, I was a mess. You know, I was a mess. I was so checked out from like what the reality of myself. I mean, I had no friends around me. Like no one wanted to be around me. I knew in my brain I needed help for like three years. Like three it years. wasn't like a new thing for me to be like. I need help. You know, it was like in my brain, I was like, I'm going to die, you know? And I knew that. And I kind of resolved to that a little bit, but something about like, there was something about like California. I think that like stuck in my brain. I think it was kind of like, you know, I mean, it's probably because like, I just knew like all the whatever discourse and cultural stuff around California, like, I'd never experienced LA or anything. And I was in, it was the middle of winter in Vermont too, mind you, like it's brick cold, like so cold. And I, you know, my day consisted of like watching the same law and order episode for like fucking six months, you know, and like getting up off my couch to watch, walk to the corner, get some donuts and maybe scores and fucking shit come back. Like it was, it was a mess, dude. 
Did you did you did you already know how that episode ended? Every day. No, I kept nodding out. I couldn't finish it. <laughs> it's you're just, so you're dark. Just, it's like okay, all right. Who this guy knows something. I know that, but is that the guy that did it? <laughs> I remember like I don't know why. I mean, it's so funny. I've talked about this with like multiple like people who were like heroin addicts over the years, but like, you know, HBO programs and those series. I mean, it was, this was also like 12 years ago. So that, that was like the only kind of station doing that thing at the time. But I remember I was watching like Sopranos and like all that shit. And I like, I would watch like the whole series and I'd be like, Ah, started again. Like I don't think I really remember anything from this. I think I in my lifetime I've probably watched The Sopranos. Well, now I've watched it more because I actually love it. I think it's a brilliant show. But I think I've watched the whole thing like at least ten times in my and life. Go, Who is this guy? What's uh, <laughs> yeah, like, Tony? What is... Tony? I think it's the yeah, guy. yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so that's how I got to L.A. And then like. Wow. Mark picked me up at the airport, which was cool. What a what uh, a guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I still know. You know, Mark is the shit. I mean, he, he picked me up, brought me to the treatment center. I the last time, yeah, the last time I used was in, in this airplane somewhere over Colorado. Like were you Boston. were you still high off of either the the or the were the mushrooms still in effect when you got on the plane? Maybe a little probably but, but not like so much not could... not tripping wise i wasn't like i wasn't in the zone but i was and you, definitely and, and you shot up in the in the airplane uh i don't think i shot no i just brought i just oh, sorry is it was it, was it inter intervenous or was yeah it, it was but i didn't bring any needles on the plane i had before um <laughs> but not that time um that time about, because the flight was so early i didn't have i yeah it was <laughs> which are this is this is post 9 11 this is only 12 years ago now i mean so yeah it's, it's like, I, I think i was like very yeah i mean it's really i mean again this is like extremely common if you talk to people who are drug addicts but like you start to get really arrogant and cocky like nothing can happen to you and i remember walking through security with like bags like i would like put on a collared shirt and i would just be and you know what it is it's like it's totally an example of just fucking white privilege gone wild like i'm a white kid wearing a fucking collared shirt no one is gonna think to think that i have like fucking bags of heroin in my top pocket walking through security like like i mean i was just taking advantage of like every sort of like you know i mean it's it's fucked up you know i was i was not i was not a good person you know i was just like i i and i think subconsciously i wanted to get hot you know i wanted someone to stop me but you you but, it didn't even cross your mind like okay i might get stopped or a dog might bark or something like that or you're just like whatever it might cross my mind, but I had no connection to consequences. Like, I didn't care. Like, I just did not care. I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about you. I didn't care about me. I didn't care about the world. I didn't care about living. I didn't care about dying. 
Maybe, did, maybe I, Law and Order. Maybe, maybe, maybe to Law, find yeah, out maybe Law and Order. I wanted to finish that episode maybe before I died, but <laughs> yes, that I, that I care about. But besides that, yeah. Um. Yeah. So so you were so you did it in the play. Oh, maybe over Colorado, which is pretty dang close to 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 touching down. Well, I needed to get that last fix before I knew I was getting off the plane and didn't have anything left. Although I did. Man, I didn't have any doublet, but I did stock my whole fucking cargo pocket with a bunch of Xanax. Um, Because I I had no idea what rehab was. I knew, like, one person in my life who, like, went there and and talking to people who, like, grew up in California. They're, like, so aware of what rehab is at a young age because there's so many. But, like, on the East Coast, there was, like, nothing. There's no rehab. They did nothing like that at that point, you know? So it was like, there's like, there's like fishing closets, but that's, that's something <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, I thought like, I was like, Oh, this is like going to be a place where I can just like chill, like in California, maybe go to the beach a little, I'll have my Xanax and I'll just kind of like slowly, like mellow out, get off dope. And then once I'm off dope, my life will just be fine. Like I, and then I'll go back to Vermont in a couple of weeks and I'll be fine. You know, I'll just like, I won't do it anymore. And I'll like say, I'm sorry. And fucking to some friends, and, you know, <laughs> that was like my thought process. Like, it's crazy. Easy, easy, easy. Like no connection to like, this is connected to some other deeper mental health shit. Like it was just like, yeah. So surface, uh, sur- sur- surface levels. It's what, what, yeah. what was that about? a couple, nine days, yeah. nine days and I'm back. And then, yeah, yeah. everything's good. Yeah. But I showed up at the rehab and like they immediately search you when you go to any rehab as, as I mean, anyone who's been knows. And they're like, they're all the people who work there are like ex addicts. So they know all the tricks. Like immediately this guy just like taps my targo cargo pocket. And it's just like jingling. Like I have like a fucking gumball machine in there. And like, he's like, uh, can you take all that shit out? Of here? <laughs> I was like, it's like, oh, I was like, really? He thought I was like, literally, like he did think that later on I had a conversation with him. He thought I was trying to like sneak shit in when the reality is, it's like, I actually did have no conception that that would be not okay. <laughs> like, no, this is just, this is just for me. This is just my. Yeah, it's just, I'm not going to give it to anyone. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I need all of this. This, yeah. is not, this is not, don't worry. Like, I'm cool. No yeah. worries on you don't have to worry about me with this. No, 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 this is not my problem, dude. Yeah, crazy. And uh, you know, le- leading up to this to this time of, of going to rehab, wh- what was your relationship with music like at that time, dude? Oh, I was still playing music and like I wasn't writing really, I was trying to, but I couldn't really. Um, I was playing in a friend's band and I, I was like, I was again like a mess like I was like nodding out I fell over once on stage and like hit my head on like a symbol and that was like a big sign like everyone was really I remember like looking out and be like being like what just happened and everyone had this look of concern on their face like they were like really worried about me and I had like a lot of friends there that was when it kind of like took a turn but I definitely wasn't writing music at that point, like heavy into it. In the beginning, I was like in the beginning, it kind of like loosens you up in this way where like you write stuff and it might be cool and you're like well connected to it. But when I was like deep in it, like 
I didn't, I didn't, I lost all the passion for it. Like it was scary, you know, um, it was sad, really sad, you know? Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good tough thing. Yeah. Cause you also don't care about anything else really than getting like the next fix. Like it's, it sounds, it's so cliche, but it is true. Like that, that's what my life was about. I was like, how can I scheme today to get drugs that was my life you know nothing else was of importance anymore um so yeah my connection to music completely just i lost that it was deteriorated it was it wasn't probably yeah yeah so when, when you got out to california and you actually got into rehab and started going going through this process of rehabilitation was it I, I, how, what was the duration of your of your stay i mean uh, you, you said you never went back right you never went back to vermont yeah i ended up being so once i was there eventually after 30 days i was like all right it's time for me to go and they were like they were like they looped my folks into it you know and then when my folks like got involved and they like realized like they were like listen here's what's going on your son needs a lot of help and you and he's gonna leave here and you and they basically like had them set some hard boundaries for me and they're like how are you gonna fly oh like your parents aren't gonna fucking help you you know and they and eventually they kind of like it was a mixture between that and like also positively manipulating me to stay. Like, even if it was like another week, like they'd be like, how about this? Like, how about this? We take you, we take you to Randy's donuts. Have you ever been to Randy's donuts? Like what the fuck is Randy's donuts? They're like, it's the place in Austin powers with the big fucking donut. That's floating in outer space. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, how about this? We take you to Randy's Donuts. We get you a donut. We just chill today. They would do shit like that. And I'd be like, all right. Like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's go get a fucking donut. Or they would be like, they were really kind in that way. They knew how to get me. They're like, how about this? Like, how about like, you know, we know like uh, one of your, you're really into music. Uh, So-and-so's brother has a concert. How about like you go out to this concert with someone from the rehab and you just go see some music in a couple of days. Like they kept doing this shit. That was like, you know, it was like, I know the game now, you know, that they were playing, but you know, it was great. I mean, they were really like trying to show me that I could do, I could have a life that wasn't built around, you know, my previous patterns. And right. Uh, and do, do you think in hindsight, they talked to your mother? And they they asked her like, how did you get them to go to those to those piano? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know what was your tactic? And she's like, oh well, I would take them to the to the corner store. And I I I'd get. I mean, she, yeah, she like sugar. Hey, let history show I'm easily manipulated by sugar. <laughs> I think that's still true in my life today. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the driving true. force. Like my friend Rob was like, hey, come over for ice cream tonight. And then, like, got me over there to talk about some shit. I was like, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I, you're right. Didn't quite see that pattern, but yeah. That's, yeah. She, she gave him the tag. Just, just tell him, just tell him that you'll stop somewhere. Yeah. Beforehand. Cause he, yeah. 
because he, he he needs to get hogged he up on the that. sugar to go. Yeah, that. yeah, that's hilarious. He needs it. He that's what he needs. He needs that. He needs that. Um. So I mean, so you and you just you never you never went back to retrieve anything else, or you just started anew. In- my my sister, my folks, like packed up all that shit for me and brought it back to Massachusetts, which was like really amazingly kind of them. And uh, I. I didn't go back like I, I yeah I stayed here um, and I was in so I was like in inpatient treatment for like 90 days and then I lived in like a like transitional living situation for about two months so in total it was like five months that I was like and then I was like I mean I was I'm you know that was just like me being stone sober for five months and like living in a city I'd never been to knowing no one. I mean, I I didn't know anyone, you know, besides the people from rehab. And so that, that's like how And and Randy from the donut store and Randy Randy's. Yeah. Yeah. So did you go back to Massachusetts to pick up your stuff or did they, they, your your folks brought it out. I eventually like went home to visit and slowly brought out some things like music stuff that I had there. Or like a pair of pants or something. Yeah, like some pants, some, and shoes? some shoes. They sent some stuff for sure. I remember they sent. Yeah, they sent a few things. I do remember like when I first moved here, feeling like so out of style or whatever, like. Or there was something going on. Like, I this is like right in that peak of where everyone was like shaving the side of their head on like one side. And like everyone at the A meetings like looked like that and wore like leather jackets. And I was just like still in like my big like fish shirt and like, <laughs> like, like still wearing my like big ass like fucking like tie dye shirt that was like torn to shreds and had like burn marks on it from like when I'd like, you know lit a cig like ashing cigs like i was like i i didn't understand like i was like whoa this is so different like than like vermont the like transitional living situation i was living in was in laurel canyon and i would go down the hill into studio city um and i thought that was downtown i thought that was downtown la because it just like looked like a downtown to me like and i would tell them i was like i'm going downtown and they would be like what why the fuck are you going to downtown la like they would get all like they would like piss test me when i got back because they like thought i was doing sketchy shit and then they found out i was going like what i meant by downtown was like going down the hill <laughs> into <laughs> town yeah like i was literally just going down the hill there so yeah i was very i was like very had this like naivety to me when I moved here that was just like, you know, my head was coming out of the clouds. I was just like, I didn't know what was going on, you know? Um, but yeah. Yeah. When, when did you start to feel like, yeah, I should probably get back into the swing of things with music or at least try to figure it out again. Yeah, totally. Like they had a guitar at the rehab and a piano or like a keyboard and, and, I would, and you weren't touching that keyboard. You're like, guitar only. I'm not trying to. Yeah, yeah. To get well, I was actually really scared to like play music. 
Like there was something about it that felt like I did I felt like I was undeserving to like even play music anymore because I felt like I had like taken something so holy in my life and like completely disrespected and flushed it down the toilet. It was a weird feeling. Um, like I didn't think I'd ever be able to play music again. Um, and I do, I remember like, it started with like going to a couple shows. It wasn't so much about going to see the shows. It was like the feeling of the live music returning within me that I felt like, whoa, like I, I just love music so much. And I, I, I would sit down and just like, kind of like play like guitar a little bit, but I wasn't really like that into it. But what really hooked me back was um, one of the people at the, who worked at the rehab knew that I, I played music and they were like, again, I think this was just like a, a hand reaching out to like try and help me. Cause she had, she had also, you know, had an experience where she stopped playing music, you know, and she, I think she knew it's possible to like get back into it. And she asked me to like play bass for like a one-off, like, show thing she was doing at like this place in North Hollywood and I was like I was really hesitant but at the same time I was like very like honored and touched that like this person would even ask me to do that like I was like and then I was also in my head I was like a show in Hollywood <laughs> I was like North Hollywood I was like holy shit this is big times <laughs> I fucking made it exactly i was like again like just i have no idea like everything in la was just like oh my god like like i was just like so i think i like really i was like oh my god i'm gonna get to play in hollywood like holy shit like of course like you know show up it's like like a small cafe type thing and i'm just like it's still hollywood like this is sick like but playing that show and seeing some music you know, she really encouraged me and uh, I'll never forget it. I mean, I'll never forget it because, you know, she she didn't have to do that, you know. And um, and so, you know, I, I think it was really just like people showing up for me, more artists showing up for me in ways. And I was going to I was going to a lot of AA meetings and I was meeting some people who um, performed music and were touring musicians and you know, people who knew I played music, who didn't play music would introduce me to them and be like, hey, this this kid plays whatever. And I, I would talk to them about like my experience of feeling like I can't like pick up my instrument. And they were, they all were like encouraging and also like kind of giving me this like, I had that experience too. Like you just need to like, don't put any pressure on it. Like just, it'll come back in the writing and Sure enough, like I definitely had this moment. I think I was like, it was around like nine, or it was almost like a year. I think I was like a year sober. And I just got freaking all of a sudden just flooded creatively. Like I was just like, I was on one. I was just like, I was deep in the channel. I was writing like a shit ton all of a sudden. And I was just like, so, so in it. And I was like, I was like, all right, like, I felt really connected. I was like, I want to record a record, you know? And like, um, and so that, that's when it really ha happened for me. I think I just needed some space 
you know, to like connect back with myself um, before I could play again, you know? Right. Right. Do you, do you feel like you would have eventually gotten to that point that like inspired with and comfortable with music again, if it wasn't for the encouragement of that first lady to bring you to play bass in in, in her um, band or or gig and talking to other people with like that were in the music world or music was a part of their world while they were using, do you think you would have eventually gotten to that point without talking to them? I don't, I don't think so in that way, maybe eventually, but I think I'm, I mean, I'm a huge community advocate at, at this point in my life. And I think that without, you know, community being able to like hold us up or giving us wings to fly when we can't fly ourselves and mirroring that for us and showing us like maps, like life is way harder, you know, like it's something that I've come to appreciate so much about just like the nature of of the DIY ethos, right? Is that like, it's really about a togetherness and a really about like, like holding up others in a way through community. And I think, I, I don't think I would have had that same type of experience hadn't it been people who showed up with no agenda, no intentions other than to just help, you know? And that's like, I mean, that's, that's rare, you know, in this life of uh, competition and capitalist fucking agenda, you know, to have someone just want genuinely what's best for you um, is just so rare. And I, I, to answer your question, I just don't think it would have happened in the same way. This sudden flood of, of inspiration. Yeah. Those songs that you were working on, did that eventually come to be Johnny Cosmo was that, um, was that what it morphed into yeah well what's funny is is that I actually I ended up I ended up having another friend come out here um who was also uh like struggling with heroin and shit I I actually helped him get help once I was you know you were his mark Right. in a position yeah and he we used to play music together and he's i mean he was just a, such an incredible songwriter and i like you know he came out here we formed like a little project that um so we were kind of like bouncing so it was more of like a collaborative project and we were like bouncing songs off each other but then eventually that that was kind of like i think like just like another growth period i think the songs that came out of that early period were more just like it wasn't even so much about the songs as they were just like the energy that they were bringing to me so I got really hyped and I was like I want to record a record but when it came down to like the actual idea of recording the record I was like I think in my head I was kind of like wait I was changing at such a fast pace emotionally and spiritually that I wasn't even resonating with the songs by the time it came to put them down you know it was like the momentum was there of writing, but I think I realized I was just like, whoa, this is only like the beginning of like, kind of like what's going on with me. So I don't think it was until, yeah, it was like a few years later that I I had gotten involved with this record label that at the time was in Echo Park. It was like underneath the Echo in this like tight little freaking corner. 
Was oh, was it a lollipop? Yeah. Was, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Shout and out I, to Wyatt Blair. That guy's oh, you know awesome. Wyatt? Yeah, he's been on this podcast. I love him. I love Wyatt. Oh, dude, so... And go I, check out I'll his episodes, this. too. There's there's fucking three of them. Go check. I, I, that's for the list. Really? Yeah. Okay, I gotta and check those out. You like, gotta, you Wyatt, gotta go out. So, I'll say this right now. I would say that in the way that that person showed up for me to, to uplift my spirit and, and bring me forward, like, in rehab, like, it was specifically Thomas Dolis, who also worked there at the time, and Wyatt uh, um, and uh, Juju Ashworth, who had a band, has a band called Froth. Amazing uh, band. And they all, I walked in there one day. I just found the place through Google. I walked in there one Man, day. Google, Google is just changing your course of Dude, just your life. My course. Uh, this other guy, Lewis, who worked there, and he had a band called Feeding People. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. And Lewis, and you know, I walked in there, and they, you know, Thomas and Lewis and Wyatt and Juju, they showed me nothing but love, like walking right in there. I knew no one in the city still really at that point, besides, you know, the few people from rehab. And like, I had never, I hadn't found any sort of like music community yet. And like, they really, they really just like showed up in this way that I needed at the time. And like, I'll never forget it. I'm still super close, you know, with, with Thomas and Juju especially like and like it's just a crazy time to think about because um yeah I mean it's just it was just a wild like experience of like finally kind of being like oh like here's a little like music niche in LA that I can like maybe like get a part of and that's that's where it really started and I think like Thomas you know Thomas recorded the first Johnny Cosmo record and and help produce it and everything. And we even did some writing together. And he, he really, I remember like, he was like the first one who I really, he like really like told me that I could do things that at the time, it really felt like a lot of the music in LA was like super, like either really sixties based, like, like people were wearing like all the bell bottoms and shit going on, or it was like shoegazy type music going on. Like there was, and I was really into like kind of like funk music, R&B music. And I remember Thomas like being like, you know, like you can do whatever you want and like you should like lean into what's you. And he was just like, gave me like I suddenly started giving myself permission to like write the types of songs I wanted to write versus like trying to think like so much externally you know and like Thomas helped me record that first record and it was I loved the whole process we had so much fun and then like Thomas is awesome too and go check out his not in in you Johnny but go check out his interview too because those guys are awesome I mean I got like invite like when his son was born they asked me to be the godfather so like I'm the godfather of Thomas's kid at this point which is like hilarious because like the way we met was literally me walking into this record store one day and like it's just like 
that world has totally obviously transformed a lot over time. The music scene in LA has, I've seen it change so much in the past 10 years Mm -hmm. Um, in a lot of, I would say just like great ways, but I, yeah, that was kind of where I first connected to like the LA music world. And we're talking about 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I think it was 13. 13. Cause I was living, I lived in, yeah yeah it was 2013 yeah i mean and does it feel like what we're talking about right now happened 10 years ago a whole decade ago no not really it's kind of wild to be honest yeah yeah so you so you you're you're jumping in and you played with uh in mr elevator for, yeah, I for still play bass i still play bass in that band we're writing a new record right now which is cool. Um, yeah, I love I love playing with. I mean, Thomas is a freaking genius. He really is. I feel like he's like super. Yeah, everyone go back and listen to his episode. Go that, back and listen. That to guy Thomas is it. underrated. My no, really. opinion. I mean, if there is like a rating system, but I mean, I'm not just talking about as a musician. Like as a producer and engineer, Thomas is like my favorite in the city. Like he is, every record he has worked on is fucking incredible. And I just like, I am always plugging Thomas's skills. Go check him out. Go freaking hire him to make your record with you. He's amazing. He's he's got his hands in a lot of good stuff right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I was just talking to, you know, Pearl Earl, that band? Who? Pearl Earl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's. I I didn't know that, that that he was that he's working with them now. Yeah, it, and yeah. Holy Wave, they're they're awesome. Yeah, Holy. I mean, those guys are great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he just he's he's incredible. Yeah, yeah. That that's a that's that, those are good guys to 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 get you into the into the yeah. scene of L.A. Yeah, and yeah, uh, that, he's always so kind. Like the, I feel like I was met with a lot of like coolness. <laughs> like like coolness type people like are you like what you know like are you cool like and I, I really wasn't like a cool like I'm not like a tradition like I've never really I'm not like a cool person you know like coming in I was like I'm from Vermont like I don't fucking know like you know it's like non plus ultra like what is this place like <laughs> right yeah you know, I was like I don't know so when when did that uh, when did that first album, the the and it was a, it was a self the self titled one yeah. right that was the first album came out in twenty nineteen. Um, it was kind of like a, it was like a it was more of an ambitious record to make other than anything else I had ever recorded in my life like you know with horns and friggin' arrangement heavy type of songs and uh bringing that jazz influence in yeah of course of course (laughs) yeah yeah and uh yeah i mean thomas is a huge really big into like synthesizers and i had never i never had much exploration in that territory until especially since you were young i mean that's yeah timid timidly approaching that black and white keys have a lot of trouble so 2019 is when this the the first album came out did you feel back or reacquainted with music before then before that album came out yeah i felt reacquainted in like 
you know, being a part of just like others projects and like playing and doing a lot of writing, but I was really like hyped on the fact that I spent like a lot of time, like with that record and like the way everything came together. And I, that was the first time, like I, I was really having trouble booking some sort of like place to have an album release. Like I could not get an email back um, for, you know, I, I like anywhere, you know, like, and so I just decided, I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm going to just fucking do my own thing. I'm just going to like, you know, fucking rent out a hall and just fucking play there. And like, if no one shows up, I really don't care. Cause like, I, I like just want to perform with like a big band, you know, that was like always my dream is like, I want like a fucking like I want like a big band like I want like fucking like 10 people on stage you know and so like I was like I'm just gonna do it because that's what I want to do and if people come they come and if they don't they don't and so that was like you know we just like freaking did it and it was sick it was awesome and it kind of like I caught that I was like I really love playing with a big ass fucking band and orchestra and like a very community feeling type of project and so like it kind of just like informed how the project has evolved you know over time as like lot you know live it's it's got a lot of um, players you know um, and I really love that I, I we have so much fun you know um, and there's been kind of people who go in and out but it's like it's really it's really cool been really fortunate that's really awesome. And since then, there's been another another release, right? So there's there's two albums thus far. There's, yeah, there's there's that album, and then there's this album called Pastry, which I released in 2021, which was recorded at my studio and a bit at Thomas's studio. And then he mixed it. So we kind of, I'd kind of recorded a lot uh, at my own place on that one, uh, which was cool. Was yeah. Great. And, and, and you, you work in that capacity as well at, at your own studio, helping other people yeah. with their music now. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I have, I run a recording studio uh, called Slime House. That's like a, uh, um, it's like a, detached garage from where I live and it's sick I, I've had it set up now for about say like four or five years and I've had the privilege of like recording and a lot of great music and records there and um and I, I really learned a lot again from Thomas in terms of recording like he's been kind of my mentor in terms of all that and uh and so, but now, you know, now also just learning from other people who I know record music who moved here and yeah, it's kind of like an ongoing practice and process. Yeah. When you, when you look back at your, your music, his or your history with music, does it, does it amaze you that this is where you're at with, within music of making your own and help the other people yeah. with, within the, the community? Yeah, it really does actually. 
<laughs> and it smells baseline. It really does. Um, I really feel like everyone's obviously journey as an artist is is different. And um, I don't really, I kind of just consider, you know, I'm just kind of like, feel like I'm just like another bozo on the bus, to be honest. Like, I don't really feel like, a, like, there's nothing real special going on here, except for the fact that, like, I feel like I'm, I really have a sense of gratitude about like my life. I think just on all the heavy shit I've just been through in my life. Like, I just feel like I like, there's something about music that just feels so giving. And like, I just love being able to be a part of other people's process. And like, I've just been so grateful to be invited into other people's worlds and, and journeys, you know, even not even at my studio, just like, getting invited to be a part of sessions or like, like songwriting. Like I've gotten to work with just like people who are like my heroes. You know? Right. So You're happy to be back on the bus. I'm happy to be back on this bus. You know, I'm just like Bozo on this bus, just like trying to, you know, like I, I literally just like putting one foot in front of the other do, you know, it's, it's, all that shit I was taught early on when I was like getting sober, just like do the next right thing and like try and like help people's dreams come true. I'm, I feel like as I've gone on, I've been more interested in like helping people's dreams become a reality than like really, of course, like I, I like, I, I like that for myself as well, but I, I really feel like I, I really love helping other people's dreams happen, you know? And like, musically that's just really cool uh to like be like here's what i have for these songs and this idea for a record and like just like being able to work on them and see them come to a to a finished thing is like fuck i can't think of really much better you know much that's anything awesome you know that's rad yeah well yeah. i'm 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 glad that you're that you're back on the bus thank and your music's awesome, dude. And I'm, I'm, I thank you so much for sitting down with me and, and, and sharing, sharing this. I mean, I know there's a lot more to this story, but I appreciate you, you know, give, give it, give me a little, a little insight to this. It's been really, thank really cool, you. dude. Thank you because actually I haven't really like had a moment to reflect on all this, like this, this narrative of my relationship to it in quite some time. And I feel like it really actually, brought up a lot for me like and just like going through this and like realizing like yeah how how um how just like meaningful it really is like to me you know um so thank you yeah thank you johnny uh, pleasure pleasure is all mine sir but uh yeah. <laughs> but, but before we wrap it up here i got some promo to do yeah so johnny's music is streaming everywhere uh both of these these albums that, that we've been talking about uh the, the self-titled and what was what was the the second name uh pastry pa pastry pastry yeah. um both of those albums are streaming everywhere right wherever the people get their music oh. that's where they find it rad and um the people can support you directly through the band camp right that's where they can buy the music and the merch yeah good deal and that's at johnnycosmo.bandcamp.com and everybody can stay up to date with everything else. Oh. Um, 
uh, news and, and, and shows and stuff by following you on Instagram, right? Is that the best place? Yeah, that's pretty much where I post everything that I'm doing these days. Um, I also have a website that's like johnnycosmo.com um, that has that information as well. Rad. Um, yeah, and, and again, the Instagram is at johnnycosmo and johnnycosmo.com. You're just quartering the market. You just, <laughs> just taking like, it over. Whatever yeah. domain. You're everywhere. Yeah. And um and if people can can you get more information about the studio by following you or the studio on Instagram, right? That's that's yeah. The studio's at Slimehouse, one word. Um, just to quickly plug, like my wife's record came out yesterday that we worked on and it's frigging amazing. I know I might be kind of biased to saying that, but like I've known Gracie's music before I even started, you know, we even started dating and she is an incredible songwriter. It was such a cool record. So go check it out. It came out yesterday on Wharf Cat. Um, and it's sick. It's so good. Uh, she's so talented. And yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and uh and and the and the other people that you do work with as well. That's all on Instagram at Slimehouse Studio. So go give that a follow and check that out because it's rad. Yeah, thank you. We're getting a lot of good stuff. Marina Allen. I saw that that she that she had she did her you worked with her on, on her record. We tracked both Marina's records at the studio and Marina is a dear friend and like that's that's like an example of just like watching like someone's dreams like become a reality. Like I feel like when we first started meeting, like Marina was like very scattered as to like what these songs even meant to her and everything and now it's just so great to see her do all that and she's amazing yeah yeah in in her and other talented musicians work yeah. with johnny because that they, they, they know where to go to get the work done he's a he's, yeah. a, he's, he's a good guy to work with and he's a good guy in general johnny <laughs> you're awesome sir thank you so much do we have anything else to promote before we we cut you loose here and anything else to plug the next string of shows I'm doing, I'm doing actually a, a residency. It hasn't been announced yet, but I'm doing a residency at Zebulon in August. So every week in August, on every Tuesday, we'll be playing there. If you're interested in coming, come on down. Go and support. Um, Johnny, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. I'm going to stop recording this, and I'll talk to you in a minute, cool. all right? All right, cool.